What I will say is I didn't just jump into competing because I wanted to fix my body dysmorphia or anything like that. I did it because it's something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And I finally was in the right mindset to do it. And I took over a year to even prepare for this. So it wasn't like I just jumped in and did like a 14 week prep or anything like that. Hello and welcome to the Healing and Dealing Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Healing and Dealing podcast. Today, I'm so excited. I've been trying to get Ashley on my podcast for quite a while now. We finally made it happen. Ashley Beeman is a life and wellness coach for content creators. With a strong background in NLP training, her primary mission is to empower women and ignite self-confidence, fuel consistency, and ignite engaging content creation. Having triumphed over personal challenges related to addiction, self-esteem, body image, and an unhealthy relationship with food, Ashley has been building online brands and fostering positive self-images since 2011. Thank you for joining me, Ashley. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I know we've been talking for so long about getting on and I'm just glad we finally were able to make it happen. I know, me too, me too. Yeah, Ashley and I met at Energetics of Business with Erin. I was in um, the cohort at the time, um, taking her coaching certification and you were a guest speaker there. So it was really awesome to see you on stage and like in your element and, you know, speaking to all of us. I, I remember just like jotting down a bunch of notes when you were talking. I'm like, I need to get all this information in. It was so good. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That was actually my first time speaking in front of a group of people. So <laughs> I'm so glad that you liked it. Yeah, that was really, really cool. I'm, I'm happy that you got to do that. So I guess we'll just kind of dive in and I really want to know like more about you and your journey and what led you here. I know that there's some like pretty big things like personal challenges that you overcame. So I'd love to dive into those. But if you want to start where you're comfortable and then, you know, I'll just be asking questions and digging a little deeper. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely dig deeper. I'll try to share the the medium length version of it. <laughs> sure, no problem. Um, so I've always been interested in health and fitness, like throughout high school, even into college. I know I didn't end up graduating college. And after I kind of left college, I kind of put that dream aside mm -hmm. and I got married, had my first baby in 2011. I always say like, we plan so much for the baby and we're reading mm -hmm. the books and we buy all of the things. But for some reason, I didn't even think like, I, I mean, I knew that my body was changing, but I didn't really think about like, oh, your body's going to look different after this. Yeah. And so I wasn't prepared for looking in the mirror after I had my first son. And that really started me on a journey of, I need to get this weight off because I felt so uncomfortable with the way mm -hmm. that I looked and I just didn't 
be around anybody. Yeah. And at that time, I was also a stay at home mom. So mm-hmm. I jumped into losing weight, I ended up going to like a weight loss clinic, getting prescribed some medication. And I, I was just willing to do anything to lose that weight. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I saw a friend who was doing an MLM, which was a health and fitness company. And she was like, join my challenge group. And I got really interested basically because she was running her business on social media. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I can have health and fitness be my business and run it on Facebook. So I yeah. I could be a stay-at-home mom, but something else for myself. And that was kind of the start of my journey. It was a rough eight years of the yo-yo diet culture, very disordered eating. I even ended up having an addiction to Adderall, which stemmed from being prescribed all of these different medicate or weight loss medications. And eventually the doctor was like, Oh, we're just going to put you on Adderall, which was good until it wasn't. Yeah. And I got, I was really addicted to stimulants for a a lot of years, but the Adderall for two years, it was, it was really, really bad. And in 2016, I gave that up cold Turkey and I decided to, to heal my relationship with myself. And Mm -hmm. in that process, I was still like wanting to lose the weight and wanting to maintain Mm -hmm. the weight, no matter what I did, it was just like this yo-yo like cycle. And so it was the end of 2018. I remember saying like, enough is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm done like hating myself. I just hated everything about me. I was putting so much pressure on losing this weight. If I lost this weight, then I thought I would make more money. My relationships would be better. My marriage would be better. All of these things. And I just got tired of it. And so I actually, I always call it like a pendulum. I was way over here on the diet culture side and I swung all the way over to anti-diet and um, body positivity. And I spent about a year or two in that space. And while it was really great because I healed my relationship with my body, like I never imagined like me gaining weight and feeling confident. Like Mm -hmm. I finally felt good about myself until one day I was like, I think I want to lose weight. And I realized that in that anti-diet space, I had just as many rules as I did when I was in the diet culture space. Wow. And I remember crying to one of my friends on the phone being like, I just want to order a scale, but I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to want to change my body. I'm not supposed to want to do any of that. And she reminded me that, you know, this is your life, Ashley, you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started breaking all of the rules. And I, I found my happy little like gray area, the magical gray area is what I like to yeah. call it. And I went on this journey of just trusting myself, trusting my decisions, and really coming from a space of love and not hate. I ended up losing 50 pounds in two years. And then I went on to doing my first bikini competition this year. And it's just been a wild ride to say the least, but that's kind of in a nutshell how I got to where I'm at. And along the way, I stepped out of health and fitness coaching. I stepped into life and business coaching and I did a lot of content coaching. And just recently I decided to step back into the wellness space because Mm -hmm. I can bring the subconscious work. And I really feel like that's what's missing in the wellness space is the subconscious work and the identity level work. And really learning to trust ourselves and make decisions from where we're at and finding strategies that work for us. 
Right. You're so right. It is missing. It's like it's like with anything, I feel like, in that we're trying to change. If you don't get to the subconscious and you don't work, you know, in the somatic area, like the change is going to be just it's an uphill battle. I mean, even just yeah. with with alcohol, it was like all subconscious. I had to really re program my brain around alcohol. So I totally relate with that. I have a question. So you mentioned like the Adderall thing, like before that, was it like diet, diet pills? Like I used to hear about those in high school where people would take diet pills to like get hyper and stuff. It was things like that. Yeah. So when I was pregnant, a bunch of my friends were going to like a weight loss clinic. So it was actually Phenermine. So it was prescribed like something you could get over the counter. And I had been on and off of it for like so many years when I got diagnosed with ADHD, my doctor had looked that I had been using the phenamine and it's really similar to Adderall. So, so she was like, I think that you're self-medicating with the phenamine, which probably was the case, but also like, I just have an addictive personality and it was good until it wasn't. Yeah. So what do you mean? How, like, how bad did it get to where it was? You weren't using it to lose weight. It was for other reasons. Yeah. So when I first started on it, I was using it because I needed something to help me focus. I remember I, one day it took me like two hours to unload the dishwasher. And I was just like crying to my husband, like something is wrong. And that's when I went to the doctor. And then I realized that, well, I can take this pill. I can focus. I feel more confident than I've ever felt my entire life. And I'm not eating. This is the magic pill. Mm. And I was also drinking at at the time too. And you could drink like a fish on Adderall and not even feel like you're drunk. And then the next day you just pop another one and just like this ongoing cycle. So by the time I got to the end of my addiction, I was going through my prescription in like two weeks, if not a shorter amount of time. So Mm -hmm. I was spending like two weeks just like being super high all the time, like crazy manic. And then the other two weeks, I'd just be like laying in bed and depressed and felt sick the entire time. I'm so like proud of you for even admitting this and and saying it on this platform, you know, because I know it's not easy. So celebrating you for that, because I know for a fact that there's a lot of women that are going through the same thing and especially with with Adderall. So that's why I wanted to touch on that, especially with the ADHD, because it's so you know, misdiagnosed in women. I just listened to a Mel Robbins podcast on that. And she said like, there, I can't remember the statistics, but it was like a lot of women don't get diagnosed with ADHD, but they have it and they, they struggle and they try to manage their life. And they're just like, like you said, two hours to unload the dishwasher, you know, and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just do things? You know, one of my best friends, she also, I think she has, I don't know if it's ADHD or ADD, but she struggles with the same types of things. And we've had a lot of conversations about it. So I know that must've been really hard for you to, to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I remember the day that the night before I actually like went cold turkey, I was like scrounging the internet, like looking for some kind of hope, like I needed a story like mine to be shared and I couldn't find anything. And it was like that moment where I was like, I'm definitely going to be sharing the story when I hit a year. So we're like, I'm going to share this because somebody else needs to hear it. And so I pretty much you know kept that promise since then, because I, I do get messages from people and they're like, thank you for sharing. And even though it is, you know, hard to admit and not something to be proud of, I I definitely to be out there. And I love that you're doing that 
with this platform because so many people need to hear these stories. Yeah, for sure. So you quit cold turkey. How was that? So by the time I quit cold turkey, I was so used to like, like getting my script, taking it, and then like having the two weeks, like my body was used to the cycle. So honestly, it wasn't that bad by the time I quit. Like the first time I ran out of my prescription was awful. We were coming back from a trip in Cancun and that I had earned with the company I was a part of. And Mm -hmm. I just remember being so sick. Like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't take care of my kids, nothing. It was horrible. And you know, it's not a withdrawal like you would have with alcohol or benzos or anything like that. Unfortunately, I have family members that have dealt with that. So I know what that's like, but it, it wasn't easy either. And then when I did come off of it fully, my thyroid was messed up. I gained 20 pounds in like four weeks. It was, it was pretty crazy, Gosh. but yeah, I've been able to, I, I do have ADHD because I know some people do get misdiagnosed. And mm-hmm. so since then, it's just really been like self-awareness, learning how, learning how to deal with my day-to-day stuff, like for me and not anybody else. Yeah. Like your own system that works for you specifically. So what, I'm just curious, like what types of things do you do during the day to, to really like navigate ADHD or ADD? So, you know, we have good days and we have bad days, just like anybody else. One of the things that I've really learned about myself is I I have at least one to two, sometimes three days a week where I'm like super hyper-focused. Mm-hmm. And during those days, I can normally get done like more than people get done in a week. And yes. so for me, it's like I lean on those days knowing that. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the days, I kind of give up a little bit more grace. Yeah. But for me, a morning routine, crucial. Like I have to have my time in the morning. I have to move my body before I start my day. So I, I like to walk at least 30 minutes a day and, and that seems to really help. And then just the days that I'm all over the place, I just take a break and I take a step back. And I know that not everybody can do that. I'm fortunate enough to have my own business and work from home and things, Mm -hmm. but just, just finding how you work in paying attention to the things that you're doing can really, really help. And like some people will say time blocking, like I cannot time block. That's not my thing. (laughs) I can do routines and, and rituals and those sorts of things, but you give me time blocking and I just, I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. That like, I know my friend's going to listen to this and she and I work together. Right. And the, our new um, supervisor, he came in and she has ADD and he did like all these time blocks on her calendar And she was like, she couldn't even look at it because maybe that's why, maybe like what you're saying is why she, it, she was just like, I can't, this is, it was just way too much. I couldn't even look at it. And, and I don't even have, you know, ADD and she was just, it, yeah, it threw her for a loop. So that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of people with ADD or ADHD have like what they call time blindness. And a lot of people have it where they think they have more time than they actually have. For me, it's the opposite. I see time like 30 minutes ahead. So if you gave me that time blocking schedule, I'd be like, there's no way I can get all of this done. Right. So I could see how that would definitely help her for sure. Yeah. Like every 30 minutes switching gears, like trying to keep her focused and organized, but it's going to like implode. (laughs) I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Okay. I'm so curious. Like, how did you go from someone who was like 
desperate to lose weight and you mentioned an eating disorder which i kind of want to talk about too to someone on a stage like you're ripped in a bikini like i saw all your pictures i was like whoa it's so inspiring you know like that's something i would love to do but like that's the thing it's like getting in the gym and making it a ritual and a routine and really fitting it into your life so i just want to know like a little bit of like, how did your mindset change through all of that? You know what I mean? Like, what what was that growth like? So I've always been interested in doing a competition, but I, I always maybe subconsciously was like, not ready to do it. Mm-hmm. My mindset was never there. Even in, I think it was 2018, a friend of mine, her and I were going to do a, a competition together and she ended up getting pregnant. And I'm so glad that <laughs> we didn't do it then because I was not mentally prepared. When I decided to buy that scale in August of 2020, and I just kind of went on my own little journey. I didn't even tell anybody I was going on a weight loss journey. I had been preaching anti-diet for like two years. And so mm-hmm. I was honestly scared to <laughs> tell anybody on the internet that I was going the opposite way or like, you know, finding my own way. But through that, I really started to like shift my identity and shift the things that were important to me. And during that time, I gave up alcohol too. So I just hit my three year mark in November. And part of that, like transition was really like shifting my identity. And so two years into my journey of losing weight, we did 75 hard and I had always been against it. I was like, this is not sustainable. Nobody should do this. But I was in a different mindset. I I mean, I can't can't explain it other than like, I was just like, okay, we're going to do this. It was easy. And when I came out of it, I was in the best shape of my life. I told my sister, I said, I think I want to do a competition. I think I'm ready. And she's like pushed me. And and the next day I, I got with a coach. What I will say is, I didn't just jump into competing because I wanted to fix my body dysmorphia or anything like that. I did it because it's something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And I finally was in the right mindset to do it. And I took over a year to even prepare for this. So it wasn't like I just jumped in and did like a 14 week prep or anything like that. Like we worked with my mindset. We worked on making sure I told him I wasn't going to do this unless we did it in the healthiest way possible. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the way that we did it. Wow. That is so awesome. That's so crazy. What, <laughs> yeah. Like how do you mentally prepare to get, to get up there? Like what, what types of things do you do? I'm so curious. So, uh, that's probably like the hardest part of the entire thing. I can do the diet. I could cut the food out, mm-hmm. whatever. The posing is so hard. <laughs> it seems like it. Like I've done a little bit of modeling in the past. And like, even when they like tell you to like do certain things, you're like, your back's all arched and you're like squeezing muscles. I can only imagine how it's like, what it's like for that type of competition. Yeah. I, re- I remember the first time I did posing practice, I was like on a Zoom with my coach in the bathroom and I came out and I looked at my husband and I said, nope, we're doing this. like... <laughs> <laughs> Oh I'm like God. three months out and I was like, no, we're, we're done. I had just spent a bunch of money on my, my bikini. And luckily he's like, no, you got this. Like you can do it. So I will say I had a ton of stage fright and I didn't place or anything in my, in my competition. And it, and I have no doubt it's because I did get the stage fright and I kind of just like rushed through it. Mm-hmm. But 
you know what? I hit my goal of getting up there and doing this damn thing. And so I'm like, all right, I know what I need to work on next time. So, you know, I've been posing ever since I got off stage. I'm going to compete next year. So it's, it's just really like practice, Mm -hmm. like practicing over and over, you know, using the visualization and things like that and working on getting up and speaking and people and things like that. So you have to talk and everything. No, I was saying getting up and speaking in front of people helps me get up in front of a bikini. No, you have only like 10 seconds to pose to do your whole routine. Yeah. My gosh. It's super fast. And we didn't really prepare because I didn't realize like, oh, I could be walking on stage a different way. So I was used to walking Mm -hmm. one way and I had to come in another way. I kind of blacked out when I was up there, (laughs) even my coach. But this is a funny story. My coach has a video and he's like videotaping me and he goes, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. He knew. He knew right off the bat. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. But gosh, how freaking awesome is that that you did that? So many women like would never and you you did it. And no matter if you were scared or, you know, stage fright, you still did it. You faced that fear. And now next time you'll be even better because, you know. Yeah, for sure. It was really it was so rewarding. You know, the process of going through it all is really what but I enjoyed most just because yeah. you, you, learn, you, there's like such a deeper level of who you are and showing up for yourself and building that trust and just like, like having that, because it's just, I mean, I have a coach, but also it's just like me in this alone. So it was a really amazing journey for sure. That's awesome. I, I watched the whole thing on social media. So it was really fun to watch too <laughs> from afar. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Can we kind of talk about body dysmorphia? Because I I really don't know much about it. And I know that there's probably a lot of women that struggle with this. So I'd love for you to kind of explain what it is and how it affected you and, and how you changed. I'm assuming that you're, you don't have it anymore or maybe you still struggle with it. I don't know. Let, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Body dysmorphia is like when you look in the mirror and you see something, you see something different and Mm -hmm. no matter what you, you know, I'm not an expert in body dysmorphia. I should, I should preface with that, but you know, going through it, it just didn't matter how small I got. It was never enough. Mm. And I wouldn't say like some people like I got pretty small, especially when I was on Adderall, but I I lost muscle. I lost like hair. My hair was awful. My skin was awful. I never was diagnosed with an eating disorder, but I definitely had some disordered eating, especially paired with stimulants. But it's really just like looking in the mirror and seeing something that's not really there. And it doesn't matter, you know, how big or how small you are, you're still seeing something different. And it's just, it's just like really hating the body that you're in. And so for me, feeling that relationship was doing a lot of deep work and just like learning to really love my body. At first it was like, you know, I'm so much more than my body and part of my brand used more than a body. But then even like moving through that, I realized like, no, like this body is allowing me to go through life. And it's meant to change. It's going to fluctuate. It's going to go up and down. And 
that's okay. That's just a part of life. Mm -hmm. So it, it took a lot of, you know, subconscious work, hypnosis. I did a lot of like mirror work where mm -hmm. I would stand in the mirror almost naked and just kind of like at first just say the things that I was neutral about my body. And then eventually, you know, you start to really like feel into loving each and every part of your body. So it's definitely a different journey for everybody. And, you know, not a lot of people can get to this point to where they can lose weight right. and do it in a, in a healthy fashion. But I believe it is possible for, for people that want yeah. to overcome it all. Right. Did, did you always have that or did it only come after you had your first child? It, it only really came after I had my first child. And then when I was a part of that MLM that I was talking about, we were always taught that like our body was our business. And so yeah. I, that kind of perpetuated the cycle because it was like, okay, you know, lose the mm -hmm. weight, show the transformation. And then we have a new product out. So it's okay if you gained a little bit back. And it was just like this ever going cycle of creating these same transformations over and over again. You know, if you create this transformation, if you're a product of the product, which I wasn't because I was, you know, taking all of these drugs, but if you do that, then you would make more money. And so I think that paired with it, like, it just kind of like put gasoline on the fire really. Yeah. That sounds so unhealthy. Like when you say it like that, just the back and forth and gain weight to lose weight, to put it on social media. So people will buy the product. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, a lot of my friends did a lot of those MLMs. So I'm curious. I, I know probably know what's one of the ones I'm thinking of. <laughs> I won't say it, but gosh, that's, oh. yeah, that's, that's crazy. So before you had your son, you were perfectly fine with your body. No, no eating issues. You know, I, no, I didn't have any eating issues. Like I said, I was always into fitness. I was yeah. even a personal trainer um, after college, but that, that honestly was more of like a sales job than anything like in the gym. But I remember like up to my wedding day, kind of just feeling like, like I was starting to gain that weight. Like when you get into like your mid twenties, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't do what you did in high school. Right. And so I remember like starting to feel uncomfortable with the weight that I was gaining then, but mm -hmm. I got pregnant like right away. So yeah, a little yeah. bit. Something for women to think about if they haven't had kids, like your body is going to change for sure. Unless you're like super young. Like I had my first son at 19 and after I had him, I was way thinner than I was before. Like from breastfeeding, okay. I think it just like sucked everything out of me. So I, I got really skinny, like in my early twenties and probably up to like my, even after my second child, nine years later, I was still really thin, but it was the third one that like put that 25 pounds on me that I just haven't been able to lose. I haven't even tried to lose it. Honestly, I'm like, whatever, <laughs> 25 <laughs> pounds. Like I went from 125, 130 for like the first 30 years of my life to like 155. So it's a, it's a change, you know, like getting on the scale. It's like, wait, 150 something. It's kind of crazy, but I'm five, seven. So it's like, I don't know. Oh. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it, but I would love to, I would love not only to work out to like tone my muscles, but it just feels so good mentally, you know? Yeah, for sure. Moving your body and lifting weights and all of that. It just, it really sparked something in me for 
for sure. Just, you know, being able to take care of yourself feels good. Mm-hmm. It's not, I wouldn't say like, it's not necessarily about losing the weight. And now I'm in this competition industry where it is about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for most women, like, and that I work with right now, they're just like, I want to feel strong and I want to feel good. And I think that that is something that I think we are moving towards and not so focused on, we need to lose this amount of weight, you know? Yeah, for sure. So like the women that you work with, do you just start them on routines? And what what would be like your, your first advice for someone who's just starting out and wants to, you know, make these changes? So I always, we do an intake call when I do work with my one-on-one clients to really Mm. see what their goals is, what their goals are and what they want to achieve. And I always say this is don't want what you don't want. So if you are like on social media and you see somebody who is ripped and they have this six pack abs, I really like to have this conversation of, is that truly what you want? Or do you want the confidence that she's exuding? Because those are two very different things. That's so true. And it, and we see this with any goal, right? Like mm-hmm. it, in the online coaching space, you'll see a lot of people making $10,000 months. And it's like, do you just want that because that's what everybody else is doing? Or do you want that because that's truly what you want? And if you do, that's okay. Right. But this is what you're going to have to sacrifice. This is what your life is going to have to look like. All of these different things. So when I first start clients, we start first, we decide what goal that they truly want to work towards. And a lot of times we're just simply focusing on creating consistent habits. Mm. And it's not about losing the weight really quickly or anything like that. I don't sell quick weight loss. That's not what I'm here to do. So it's really focusing on just creating those habits at first. And and the other thing that I think people get confused by because it's all over social media everywhere is that you're not meant to be in a fat loss phase forever. Right. And a lot of programs are marketed as if a fat loss phase is a lifestyle. And mm-hmm. this is why people get frustrated because it's not. And, you know, you have a a fat loss phase, a maintenance phase, a building phase. There's all different kinds of phases. So depending on what's going on in your life, Mm -hmm. what's your priorities, you know, what do you value most? That's where we set the goals. So a lot of the women that I'm working with right now, especially through the holidays, we're simply focused on consistency, like getting in water, like half of your ounce or half of your body weight in ounces of water, moving your body, getting a 30 minute walk in a day and sleeping more like Mm. those are the three like it's just really really simple things that we focus on and then we'll start to bring in like the nutrition and the food and the tracking and those sorts of things once they lay those habits down that's yeah that's great advice I could definitely do those three things maybe maybe I'll start just to I really need to get my body for sure I I feel like I sound like one of those people where it's like oh there's no time in the day but like, there's literally no time in the day. <laughs> I would have to probably go at like five in the morning, you know, and yeah. that, that would have to be my gym time. And then it's like work. And then after work, it's practice or dinner. And it's like, you know, baths in bed. So, or podcasts like this <laughs> episode, <laughs> episodes. Yeah. So what do you tell people that, that say like, I just don't have the time? You know, one of the things that I, I tried is to find the time, time, obviously, or like 
where could you fit in extra steps or where could you fit in, you know, a little bit of, of yoga or something like that. I have a client who she will walk on her lunch break for 30 minutes, or I have another client who will walk during her kids practices or things like that. So just like getting creative with it and seeing where you can fit it in. And then when it starts to become, you know, more of a priority, maybe you are ready to get to the gym at 5am and and figuring that out. One of the things that has helped with my um, with ADHD, and then also finding more time is I'll have my clients like take out a piece of paper or the note section of your phone. And for two or three days, write down what you're doing every 30 minutes. Mm. So this sounds like it's going to take a lot of work, but I promise you it's like really eye-opening to see where you're wasting your, that's like draining your energy. Find where those energy leaks are and stop doing those things. Then it probably will open up some more time for you. I love that. So the time, the time blocks that are longer and taking more of your energy, you're saying like, are those what you need to look at? Yeah. So like, you know, energy leaks can be anything. It could be somebody you're dealing with. It could be Mm -hmm. something that you're doing. It could be just maybe something you're looking at on social media, you know, maybe you're, you're following somebody and you following it because it's like a reality TV show, but there's lots of drama and there's lots of negativity. Um, so what I'll have them do is like, all right, I woke up. This is what I did immediately when I woke up. And this is how I felt. Did this give me energy? Did it drain my energy? I see. Did it make me feel a certain way? And then we do that for two or three days. And usually by the second day, you can already see like, oh, I'm on my phone in the bathroom for 30 minutes and I don't need to be, you know, something like that. Yeah. That's, oh my gosh. Yeah. I could now I get it. Okay. I could totally try doing that too. That's such a good idea. I think at night that would probably be like the main time where I'm like, okay, wasting way too much time, like scrolling or watching TV. And I have my stack of books next to me that I'm trying to get through, you know, and it's like decisions. These are the decisions we make. You know, we can either choose to keep watching TV at night or like, you know, dive into a book. So it's kind of like the stuff that I struggle with, you know, moving my body and then like reading. Those are the two things that I really want to be doing, but I just like get, get tired and lazy. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, it's hard, it's hard to, to come to terms with, but that's really what it is. And sometimes we got to give ourselves some grace because we need that downtime too. Like, I don't think there's any, like, I always say like, there's time for scrolling. There's time for watching TV. There's, you know, because sometimes you just need that like disconnect. And I know like for you, you don't drink alcohol anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't either. So sometimes we do need like something we could maybe just numb out for a little bit. Like I'm not saying go overboard, but we need that like downtime for sure. I feel like that's why I have a a little obsession with like reality TV. (laughs) Because I like live through their drama for a short time and I'm like, okay, I'm good now. <laughs> What's your favorite show? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's so embarrassing, but I've been watching Teen Mom since like the very beginning and I still love it. <laughs> you too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that, that's definitely my top favorite. So, and then I like a little bit of the housewives here and there. They kind of start annoying me, but I have some certain favorite ones. It's totally like, terrible addictive thing that I have going but whatever (laughs) it's my downtime like you said could be worse 
It could be way worse, exactly. And I mean, we have <laughs> we have some time left. So since you brought up the alcohol thing, I would love to hear like a shortened version of what that was like for you because you're you've been alcohol free for three years. Like that's amazing. And you know, like what made you decide to you know free yourself from it? Yeah. So alcohol had always been a part of my life growing up. Everybody drank. I met my husband at a bar. Like. We live in a small town. That's what everybody does is drink. And one time I gave, I gave it up for 90 days for a fitness program that I was doing back when I was still like disordered. And the benefits that I got in those 90 days were insane. Like I was blown away of how good I was sleeping, how great I felt day that I was an alcoholic. And some people get mad that I say that, but I was an addict. So I know what that's like. And I definitely wasn't an alcoholic, but I, I probably didn't have a real healthy relationship with alcohol. Right. And then, so I got the taste of what it was like to live without alcohol during that time. And ever since then I would go, I would have these bouts where I'd go like 30 days or two weeks or three weeks. And in 2020, it just got to the point where I was like, I really wonder what life would be like if I just didn't drink, Mm -hmm. if like, what would an entire year look like to be alcohol free? And so at the end of 2020, I'm like, okay, 2021 is going to be my year. I'm going to do this. And we, I went out with, I went on a girl's trip and I, I wasn't really that hungover, but I was driving home. It was November 15th or 16th. And I remember saying to myself, like, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting for the new year to do this? Like, just jump in. It was like the week before Thanksgiving as we're headed up to family that is like, all we do is drink, right? <laughs> like, all right, I'm coming. If I could get through Thanksgiving, yeah. I could get through anything. Um, and I committed and it wasn't easy. It was super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. At first it was like a pink cloud, you know, feeling so good, all the things. And then once like life started to roll, like I was like thinking about it a lot. I'm like, am I going to be alcohol free forever? Just all of these different things. And just the, the longer I went, the more I was like, mm, I don't want this. I will say at 400 days, I did. I like to be very transparent. I did have a drink and I hated it. It was awful. Like it, I have no desire now to drink or yeah, any anything like that. It was a really a life changing experience for sure. Huh? I was saying sometimes, sometimes you need that, like that at that 400 days, you tried it and it just confirmed everything that you already believe. Yeah. And I really feel like the alcohol piece, like getting rid of that was really big in making me be consistent with things, making me be consistent with my habits with, uh, there's no way I could be drinking alcohol and be you know, doing these bodybuilding competitions, there's, it just, it wouldn't work. (laughs) Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's like, one of the top things that I love about not drinking anymore is how much I stick to things that I know that I things that I want to do. You know what I mean? Just that feeling of like, before I would have to cancel or put things off because I was hungover and didn't feel good. Or, you know, just like, didn't care about Charlotte the next day. And now I'm always thinking about my, my future self and how I want to feel, you know? And it's like, I honestly feel like giving up, not even, I hate even saying giving up because I didn't give up anything. Like I gained so much more. I feel like 
letting go of alcohol and changing my relationship with it was the best decision I've ever made because it changed every single aspect of my life. And especially like internally, you know, with, with myself getting to know who I am, like I was just drink, I would just drink and I, then I would turn into someone else. So I was never really myself, you know? So yeah. And then just all, like you said, the sleep energy, better relationships, all of that. It's, it's just been, I totally relate to what you're saying and I can't wait to, to hit three years too. That's awesome. So proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. It just keeps getting better and better. And like, for instance, the habits, I never would wash my face at night. Me neither. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you just said that. (laughs) Isn't it so crazy? It is so, that was like one of the things. Now it's like, there's no way I'm going to bed without what, like not washing my face. (laughs) I am like so shocked that you said that because that's been one of like the big things that I've taken, like gotten from this is like the little things that you don't think about, like, oh, I don't feel like washing my face or like you're buzzed and you don't even care. You just go to sleep with your makeup on. Mm -hmm. And now it's like the self-care, washing the face, brushing the teeth, like doing things for yourself. I 100% relate with that. That's so awesome. It's actually in a book that I read. I don't think I have it in here, but Carolina, I had her on the podcast a while back. She wrote the book Euphoric, Alcohol-Free, I forget, it's a really long title, but she brought up like washing your face before bed. And I remember thinking like, I want that so bad. I want to wash my face before I go to sleep. Or even like, I remember thinking, I want to be that mom that takes their kids to school that's like dressed with makeup on and like just ready for the day at 7 30 like I never was that way I was always like rolling out of bed and even when I wasn't hung over I was just like not a morning person you know and now I am yeah absolutely I was I was joking with my my son is 12 he's almost 13 so he has like a bigger social life than I do at this moment (laughs) and I told him I was like you're should be so thankful that I quit drinking because I would not be driving you around to all of these things. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so true. Yeah. How, how has it, has it changed your relationship with him at all? Has it gotten better or, or what do you think with your, him and your family? With, with everybody I've gotten closer. My relationship, all my relationships have been better. Um, my youngest doesn't really remember me drinking. He's 10. So he like, he'll say he does, but I'm sure my oldest does. I was the mom. I was the wine mom, like for sure. Like, dang, that's crazy. All the time. Yeah. But with everybody, I, you know, my marriage got better. My relationship with my mom got better. Like, you can just, uh, like, you understand people more, I think. Yeah, for sure. Where you're coming from. So, yeah. Do your kids like talk about it at all? I know my daughter's eight and she actually like talks about it. She's like, I'm so happy you don't drink alcohol anymore. And like, she made a promise to herself. She was never going to drink. And I wasn't I, like, I'm kind of like you. I, I wouldn't say I was like an alcoholic, but when we would like go to people's houses, like I would drink to the point where we would have to get a ride home or like we're staying the night. You know what I mean? So she has seen that and she's seen me like drunk and party mode you know what I mean so yeah. now she's like I'm so glad you don't drink and like we just are home every single night you know we don't do that anymore you know I put them to bed and I go to sleep and it's just like a totally different lifestyle so do your kids ever talk about it you know he doesn't really talk about it like in that way but he my oldest he does say like he doesn't want to drink 
And so I can see like that impact on it. My youngest, he's a, he's a spitfire. And so I'm sure he's going to be, you know, trying some things out and stuff, but I, I feel like me doing that has made like a positive impact on them to be able That's to true. see like you can have fun without it. And I didn't know that growing up and no fault to my parents. Like they grew up the same way. And yeah. so it's like the, the really cool thing that I have seen is I was so afraid of like losing friends and that sort of thing. And while there are some friends I don't talk to anymore, but the majority of people that I'm close to and I'm around, they all like kind of stop drink, not completely, but like the amount that they drink is way less now. And I just kind of see it like as that ripple effect, you know, it's like mm -hmm. we, we, the decisions we make do influence other people, whether it, you know, they quit drinking or not. I've, I've had a few friends too, like completely quit drinking. And so I just think that anything positive that you can do is going to help people. Yeah. Say, yeah, the same for me. I've had friends, um, they're like, huh, I want to try that. And they'll go like 30 days and like, I've inspired them to like, consider just taking a break. And I think that that's really awesome. And I love what you said about, I can't remember how you worded it, but you know, we're, we're basically like modeling it for, for our kids, you know, and I grew up around drinking nonstop too. So like, that's what I thought fun was. Now we are showing our kids like you can have a blast without drinking, right? So they're not going to associate alcohol with fun like we did. So I think that that is like phenomenal. Like that's, that's breaking the cycle right there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I love seeing like more and more people are, are trying, you know, going alcohol free. I think, I think it's quote unquote trend, but it can continue to be a trend because so many people can yeah. benefit from not drinking for sure. It's a great trend. And it, I feel like it's a movement. It's just, there's just no reason to not, in my opinion, like it's so easy to say now, but I know like a year and a half ago, I'd be like, yeah, right. I'm not going with that alcohol. You're crazy. But like when you really get to like the bottom of it, like lay out like why you drink, what your limiting beliefs are around it. And you just kind of like get really curious, like you said, like, I wonder what it would be like to go a year without drinking, even like 30 days, whatever it is. Like, I wish I could like scream this from the mountaintops, how much better life is without it. You know, it's like the best kept secret, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that you shared so many vulnerable things. You know, it's, I know it's not easy to talk about. Maybe it is for you now, which is great, but you know, some people are really struggling with the things that you spoke about tonight. And I know that it's going to help someone. So thank you for sharing those, you know, dark times in your life and then sharing this bright, beautiful life that you are now and how you're living your purpose and empowering women and helping women get through that journey that you went on yourself. So that that's what life's all about. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Of course. Where can everyone find you? So I mostly hang out on Instagram at the Ashley Beeman or on Facebook. Those are the two places that I'm I'm normally at. Yes. And Ashley is 
good at social media. I'm like, you are so consistent. It's so inspiring. And like, I literally can count on your story of your walking, you know, like when you're talking, like I watch that all the time. So she's got some great social Aww. media content. I highly recommend everyone go give her a follow because it's super uplifting. It's positive and it'll truly help you just in your day-to-day -day life. I know it has me. So thank you for being a guest on the Healing and Dealing podcast. And I can't wait to connect with you at another time. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one -on -one, or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.